I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. How's it going, folks? Welcome back to the channel. So it is episode two of the road to the title. Celtic can all but wrap up the title this weekend against Rangers when they take them on on Sunday. They can go nine points clear at the top of the table. Not quite mathematically secure, but with all the goal difference, it essentially wraps up the title this week. So if you missed episode one, it was with Tino from the Celtic Exchange podcast. You can watch that back now if you want to. A lot of it is about the Ross County game as well, but there is some stuff about the general season overhead. This week's episode is with Ryan Fitzsimons from the Celtic the Thunder and Ryan 118, the YouTube channel, YouTube sensation Ryan Fitzsimons, is going to look ahead to the Rangers game with me and look back at the season as a whole. So this is episode two of the Road to the Title. Enjoy. Ryan Fitzsimons, Ryan 118, how are you getting on? Good to have you. Not bad at all, mate. Thanks for having me on the channel again. It's a pleasure. Um, I'm looking forward to having a wee chat about the game on Sunday. But yeah, generally quite good. Feeling confident. And um, aye, uh, let's get into it, I suppose. <laughs> I know you've obviously done things on your own channel since, but this is the first major This is the first major thing you've done since you've retired. You've hung up your, your boots from the, the Tesco gig. So how are you feeling, Freedom? Oh, that's it, mate. The retail is gone. It's full time on on this now. Full time talking. You know, it's it's been a long time coming. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a good challenge, and I, you're right. This is the first. This is pretty much the first thing I've done since I've stopped. So, from one job into another, I'm I'm looking forward to doing this. So, um, I was nice to bring that up. Thanks very much, Ender. <laughs> well, I can't afford the wages Tesco or had you on, but uh, I'll do my best. You know, <laughs> um. Look, this is basically what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks or so. We started off with the Celtic Exchange. Tino was on last week looking ahead to the Ross County game. It's the road to the title. This weekend, Celtic can all but wrap up the title. But if you ask Rangers fans, the title's already done and they didn't care about it in the first place. So, look, with the derby come up this weekend, this is this could be the end of the road. This could be the, the title sewn up for Celtic this weekend. Yeah, and hopefully so. I would like to see us um, get over the line um, and win, obviously, for so many different reasons. You know, one of them being just to have it all wrapped up and to kind of take the, the nerves that could come out of the equation. But also because, you know, you win that game on Sunday, you picture the atmosphere at Celtic Park. It would be incredible. So I'm, I'm going to be there, of course. I'll, I'll be there as part of my season ticket. I want to be part of that party. I, I want to drink at every moment. And you, you've kind of touched on it already. And I was saying, you know, 
um, the, the title they never really cared about, you know, they can say that as much as they like. We know for a fact it's not true. Um, and to rub it in a little bit more on Sunday would be very nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident heading into it, but um, you're right, it's, it's important that we try and get it wrapped up on Sunday. I think that would be the best for, um, for the club and, and for the fans as well. Mm. Yeah, I know you do your videos uh, near the end of the season where you look back at early season predictors and, and things that you said. And I, I can't imagine you even pictured Celtic would be in this position where with four games left in the season to finish off with a derby that Celtic could essentially wrap up the title three games to go, having been where they were last year. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not looking forward to, to going back and looking at what I said. Well, I'm not, I'm, it's kind of bittersweet because obviously there's that part of it has gone, oh, the, the manager and the team has proven me wrong. But the other part is like, well, I, did, I wasn't so confident and, and maybe I should have been more confident, but it's been a really long season and, and we've worked hard to be where we are. So, you know, I'm, I'm nothing but proud of the team. And, you know, when I look back at the end of the season on it, you know, there'll be a lot of things that I probably said that I'll be laughing at myself for, but you know, we were right to be kind of sceptical heading and we never really knew what to expect. I mean, the last time we spoke and the last time we'd done a video, you know, we were in a completely different situation. I don't think anybody would have imagined it would be here now. So, yeah, there was a point this season as well, you know, even come the winter break, there was a lot of talk of maybe a helicopter Sunday, but the fact that, as you've said, three games to go, we could get it wrapped up. It's all a bit of a fairy tale, but um, I wouldn't change anything about this season thus far. I, you know, well, maybe a, maybe a treble would have been nice, but in terms of the league campaign, you know, it's it's been fantastic to watch and uh, I'm just delighted with the point that we're at now. Yeah, last year when we spoke, we were tired for a different reason. We were just uh-huh. tired of everything that was going on. I think it might have been, I can't remember what date it was, but it was soon after, not too long after the Dubai situation, Celtic were in a mess. This year we're tired for a completely different reason. I don't know about you, but this season it's just been insanely long. You kind of mentioned it there, like, the amount of things that have happened this year, this season alone, you kind of have to pinch yourself and almost write down the dates to make sure that they definitely did happen this season and not last year and, and not over the last couple of years. Like the the signings coming in, the results, the uh, the stories about Ange Postacoglu, all these things happened in the last seven months. Yeah, like the last, you know, I feel like this season is, is, is so weird to look at it because one part of me feels like it's flew in. Like, it feels like only yesterday we were sitting there and we were going, oh, Ange Postecoglou's come to Celtic. And it feels like only yesterday West Ham beat a 6-2 at Celtic Park. <laughs> but then it feels like in that same amount of time, I've lived about 10 lifetimes. I think about Ralston's last-minute winner at Ross County. I think about Jack Marcus scoring a last-minute winner against Dundee. All of that feels like it took years off my life. So you're right, the last, like, sort of, you know, we've not even had a full 12 months since Ange actually arrived at the club yet. And, and But in that amount of time, it's crazy. I just, you know, it's what Celtic does to you, I suppose. It just keeps you on your toes and um, you don't know what's coming around the corner and how quick it's going to happen. Yeah, big time. So, I mean, the things that we've been doing in this uh, sort of uh, piece that we're doing, the the road to the title, we're calling it. I've been looking back at the season, at, at the moments, the big moments that we, we love to look back on over the course of the season and, and picking our player of the years as well. So, I mean, the, the actual PFA player of the season uh, nominations are out and you know Cal McGregor's up for it Tom Rogic is up for it as well and um, Cameron Carter Vickers probably hard done by not to be in contention for that as well do you have a, a, a player of the season I know now I know that you're a big Barcast man but I'm, I'm, I'm not <laughs> Listen, letting you pick Barcast for this 
one performance in the league this season and it was it was pretty good. I know he conceded a goal, but maybe maybe he's up there for a conversation. I, I don't know. Um, listen, you touched on the guy there that I think I feel pretty. You know, I think he should be hard done. He should feel hard done by Cameron Carter Vickers. I thought he would have been the, the name that would have been up there. Um, Tom Rogic deserves it. But I'm actually surprised that he's managed to get in ahead of Cameron Carter Vickers. That was one thing that really baffled me. But um. You know, all three of the Celtic players that we've mentioned there have had fantastic seasons and they all deserve recognition for what they've done in their own right. Um, but for me, it was Cameron Carter-Vickers is who I voted for personally in the Celtic Player of the, the Year award stuff. Um, so if I was to go across the whole country, I would be picking him as well. I just feel like he's came in the door. He's been um, a, a real sort of revelation for us at the back. He's a centre-half that we've not seen in a long time at Celtic. You know, I, I keep saying it and I'll, I'll stick by it. I think he's the best since Van Dijk. Um, and he's just been consistently good this season. He's barely put a foot wrong. So for me, he's the guy that stands out. He's the player of the season for me. Um, and he's he's someone who I feel like should have been on that list, but it's not me to decide, sadly. Um, Callum McGregor and Tom Rogic have had two fantastic seasons too. McGregor has just been magnificent. But I don't know. It's, for me, it's Vickers has just been absolutely brilliant. Mm. Yeah, we'll come back to Tom Rogic maybe because I think it's very interesting how... The narrative has changed on him since Matt O'Reilly has come to the club, yeah. even as good as Tom Rajic has been throughout the season. On Cameron Carter-Vickers reports today that he could be signing permanently, Celtic could be looking to, to sign him for around £6 million with that increasing to £10 million. I mean, I think if you ask any Celtic fan in the right mind at this point, they're saying that that's a bargain for a player that good. Yeah, absolutely. That's... I'd... I've said it so many times, you know, like pay the money. Um, and then there's there's people that are concerned about contracts and how they're running down and maybe we could get cheaper fees and such. But listen, at the end of the day, I think that a centre-back of his quality or players of this quality only come around every now and then. And when you've got the opportunity to pay for them and get them, I think you should just go for it. If we win the league, we get that, <clears throat> sorry, we get that windfall, obviously, um, of, of the Champions League money. And I think that there's not many better places we can spend it than that, to be quite honest. Yeah, big time. I, I think I'd probably be with you on that. The last couple of years, I always sort of measure the standard of a player based on what I would say to my mates who don't follow the Scottish League about them. And the likes of Tierney, Van Dyke, Dembele, those are the names that spring to my mind of players that I said absolutely 100% would make it in the Premier League at the top, is, at the top, top level. And I think Cameron Carter-Vickers, I think it's a bargain. I think it's a, an absolute bargain for, for Tottenham to be selling him for that low when, yeah. I mean, we all looked at, the, we all saw Tottenham's defense this year. I think he I've, would I've be said a, a big asset. I've said it a hundred times to my mates and some of them agree, some of them disagree. And, I still think that, you know, you look at Tottenham's back line, there's no reason Cameron Carter Vickers couldn't get any of that defence right now, I think. You know, I think they've got that boy, he's at Romero. He's quite decent. And, but the rest of them, like, Cameron Carter Vickers is, is better than this, I think. And you, you're right. I think, he's but, better you know, than Eric Dyer. Better oh, absolutely. Dyer. That's no no question about that. Um, but you look at, you know, players like Tierney and Dembele and Van Dijk, they were players who we identified at early stages and went, okay, they're destined to go to the top, they're destined to do really well. They're the three kind of standouts in, in the last decade. I, I think that Cameron Carter-Vickers, once he has another couple of years behind him at Celtic, if he stays, he's a guy that could go in and play at a higher level as well. He's still young. Like, people forget he's only, what, 23, 24 years old. You know, there's a lot of time for a, a centre-half to mature in that space of time till, you know, the prime years of his career. So, you know, this is a guy as well that I think after a couple more years we could be saying the same thing. 
Mm. Hey, you're you're still a young man, Ryan, but Cameron Carter Vickers being a couple of years younger than me and looking like he could eat me, uh, it really it really makes me upset. It's but uh, yeah, he's he's been absolutely sensational this year. I can't believe that they're willing to let him go for that that price. Uh, as as we move through the team, I know Joe Hart is a man that has changed. He's turned a lot of heads this year. I, yes, he has. I, I know you, you're very similar to me in this aspect because I think you're you're you follow Man United as well as I do. Um, That's right. I mean, I don't think there was a player that I disliked as much as Joe Hart when he played for Manchester City. He just had that. He had the same sort of air of arrogance around, like sort of like uh, Pickford has at the minute. That's and right. The the type of the. the I don't know the the way that he carried himself is just the way that English keepers carry themselves. Yeah, yeah. But my opinion has not done a stronger one eighty on a character and a player than Joe Hart this season. No, absolutely, and I'm I'm in the same boat as you because I remember when I was trying to lead the campaign of we should not sign Joe Hart. I was like, this is a mistake. We cannot sign Joe Hart. I remember all my mates turning out to me and saying the only reason you don't want Joe Hart to sign is because he played for Manchester City because of this that next thing. Kind of echoing the same sentiment that you brought up there. And I was like, no, genuinely, that's that's not the reason. I just it may have been a part of the reason. It may have just slightly been in the back of my head, but genuinely, I just thought his career was at a point where he wasn't going to be good enough for Celtic. And he's turned my head, I mean, a complete 180, as you said. And I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, everybody, anybody watching it knows me. Is Although I just love to talk about Joe Hart now. And it's not just his performances that I've, I've turned my, my head on. It is, as you've said, his general attitude and presence as a, a Celtic player. I think that he's been so important for this team um, from the back of the 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 back of the pitch to, to have the head that he does, the, the knowledge in the game and just the confidence that he's brought in as well, I think, has just been has been very important. And I can't imagine how important he must be on the training ground. He must be so influential. A lot of these guys getting to work with a former Premier League winner, a Golden Glove winner. It's a guy who's played in the highest at the highest level, um, and and they'll get the chance to work with him. And it seems like everybody loves him as well. So you're right. Um, I think that you know, when back then, I might have thought the same things as you, but I think he's someone else. I use the same word here. I think he's matured as a guy as well. He's matured as a player, and we're really seeing some of you know the best footballing, uh, some of the best football in his career over the past sort of you know five six years really. Yeah, and um, I mean, not that it matters, but when we all found out that he was a signing from Ange and not from Dermot Desmond or mm-hmm. whoever it is running things in the background, I think that sort of put people at ease a little bit. That it wasn't just something that was thrown upon Ange and he had to deal with it because we all knew the style that he wanted to play and Joe Hart just didn't really match up with that. So, I mean, he's obviously not going to be Celtic's keeper, starting keeper for the next five years. Hmm. But if he's there this year and maybe next year as another player develops in that position who's maybe more suited to playing out from the back, then I have absolutely no issue with that whatsoever uh, going forward. In in terms of the signings then, there's obviously been a load of them. Cameron Carter Vickers is one of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say you can't pick him because you picked him That's for the right. player of the season. I had a, so I had a feeling in, you would do that. I had a, I had a yeah. feeling. I'm a, I'm a stickler for the rules. So <laughs> you know there's there's so many players you could pick for this. But if you're p- picking your signing of the season, uh, you can throw Joe Hart into that as well if you want to. But which one was your favorite? There's so many. That's the thing. Like, you, you you can't really pick out many bad signings. Like, you know, we've got James McCarthy who hasn't exactly been, you know, brilliant. You've got a couple other guys who've came in just to, you know, eat the Gucci's not really got off the mark yet. Mm. Um, we've not really made that many bad signings. There's no signings that I turn around and go, what a disaster. 
Uh, when yeah. I, was I think on the that, James McCarthy one, sorry to cut across you, on the James okay. McCarthy one, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad signing because I think it has reached the expectations that everyone had of it. You know what yeah, I mean? It's not, it's not one I, of those ones I, that's gone wrong. Exactly, because it came through the door and I said the exact same thing about James McCarthy as I said about Joe Hart. It just happens that the, the two careers have went different kind of ways since joining Celtic. Um, but you're right, I absolutely, I, I would agree with you in that. Um, but in terms of, you know, you look at recent years, the players we've signed, some have been disasters. You look at some of the strikers, Bayo, Clamara, you look at some other players, you know, the loan deals for players like Tolyan. We've had some absolute nightmares, but we've managed to, to kind of, I mean, am I making you laugh at these names? Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of what a time, eh? But, you know, you look at names like that, and we've not done that this season, I feel like. You know, it, nothing's went drastically wrong. Um, and that's a credit to Ange as well. I feel like he's gave everybody the, their part to do. But there's so many good ones. It's, it's I feel it's almost harsh to pick one um, because Kyogo, he's been absolutely tremendous. Liela Bada, he's been fantastic at such a young age. Um, Carter Vickers, as you said, Joe Hart, Juranovic, Basically everybody we've signed, we've signed a whole new team, Starfield, everybody. But I'm just I'm gonna go out on a limb here and I'm gonna say Georges Yakimakis. That's the guy I'm gonna say. Because I feel like in this second half of the season, when things have been tight and things have been tough, the way that he's stood up, especially with the doubters that he had in the opening half of the season, the way he stood up and he's came out in big occasions and big games and won his points has been unbelievable, and it's a real testament to how strong I think he is, you know, not just a footballer, but mentally as well. I think he's been just so key in games. I, I feel like he's someone that I, I I don't know, when he first signed, I was never one of the people who were automatically like, oh, he's rotten, get rid of him, blah, 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 he's mm. not going to be good enough. I was never on that boat, but there was a certain part of me that was like, I don't see how he fits in this team, because he's not the same as Kyogo. He's not the same as, you know, any of these other quick players were signing and smaller kind of guys. He's, he was different, he was bigger, and I was like, how does he fit the Ange system? But he does, and he fits it really well. And I think in this second half of the season, his presence has been so important as to where we're now heading. And, and, and he's been so influential in taking us to this six-point lead we now have at the, the top of the table. Yeah, the biggest compliment you can give Giacomacus really is that, like you said, like Kyogo has been so good and mm-hmm. was so good at the start of the season and blew, I think, blew everybody out of the way. And Absolutely. now I actually, I actually genuinely think that because of how well Giacomac has played, Celtic didn't really miss Kyogo to the extent where Celtic fans are almost like remembering how good Kyogo was in the first exactly. half it's because he was out for so long. Giacomac has just filled that hole so well that people kind of just forgot how Kyogo, how good Kyogo was. That's right. And um, when Kyogo you know, went down injured on Boxing Day. No, obviously, we never really knew the extent of what was going to happen. We had a winter break coming up as well, so we were kind of like, okay, right, this is time for Kyogo. Like, there was still, it took a bit of time to kind of realise how long Kyogo was going to be away for and what that meant to the team and how we went on from that. And, you know, it made it so much easier because right as soon as the winter break started, finished and we went back and played football, Giacomacus just started scoring the goals. And it suddenly just took your mind off of everything that could have went wrong with Kyogo picking up an injury. You know, it could have been so different if, if Giacomacus didn't rise to the, the, the level that he had to. We could have been in a completely different situation right now, but he'd done it, he'd done really well, he solved a massive headache and I feel like he, he deserves so much credit for that. Mm. And even the, I mean, the, the derby match that we missed, People were just pointing out how much of a difference Jackamakis would have made in that game, even though we we had mm-hmm. Kyogo for it. It was just, it was so blatantly obvious what he did when you had Maeda playing through the middle rather than uh, than Jackamakis. 
So, I mean, the, we mentioned that it was been a, it's been a long season. So there are moments where you probably don't even remember at this point in time. I mean, you've got Abada's goal has been popping up on Celtic Twitter over the last couple of days. The one, the last minute winner against Dundee United. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of big last minute goals. Um, what's your favorite moment of the season? If you could pick one out. So many. One of the ones you've just brought up there was one of the ones I was. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Considering the Dundee United goal, um, because I was actually, that one just holds a wee bit of importance because I was at that game with my dad and that was the first time I'd been to a game with him in, I think it was something like six or seven years maybe I'd been at a game with my dad. So that stands out to me from a personal point of view. But do you know what? I'm going to have to go with a basic answer. I'm going to have to go for that 3-0 win um, on February 2nd. It was just... Every, the game itself um, and then the atmosphere at Celtic Park in that game was the game that... I, I never wanted to see it on camera because I didn't want to be left with egg in my face. But I still remember leaving the stadium that night and saying to everybody I was there with, I was like, that we're going to win this league. I knew after that night, I've got me and Ryan McGinley, we messaged each other, we're going to win this league. I knew after that night we just looked like something else. Um, and the, the atmosphere in the stadium, just I think, sort of, um, it kind of resembled the atmosphere at the club, just how good and how joyous and everything it is right now. So that night just stands out. And I still remember, like, when we were up 1 0, I was like, oh my God, that was quick. 2 0. We went up 3 0. I just turned to Kieran. I was like, what, what's going on? What is actually? It was like a fever dream or something. I was like, this cannot be real. Um, because, of course, up to that point, we had it when I thought being God knows how long. So that moment for me, as basic as it is, and as one of the, you know, it's just so, it's just so memorable. And I think it's something I'll always, always remember right to the very end. 
Yeah, e- evening matches are so much better as well mm-hmm. when it comes That's to the right. derby match. It's just it's such a such an occasion when you have the full night. And I didn't get to the game, but on TV itself, it was an yeah. unbelievable spectacle to watch on TV as well. It, it was one of those games that, you know, I was at the United game in the Champions League a couple of years ago. Well, that's mm-hmm. it's well over well over a decade now at this point. Uh, I missed the Barcelona game because I was sick. I couldn't go to it. Oh, but I'm, in terms I'm of the atmosphere, those those two and this game seem to stand out as just crazy in in mm-hmm. Celtic Park in the last uh, maybe fifteen years. It seems like the best atmospheres that we've had. So it was one of the disappointments I didn't get to go to it. But I mean, the Celtic got the win, and that was the point. I think that's the point where most people thought we're going to win this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if it was like quiet confidence, I think everybody had that feeling in the back of their mind that this this is the game that sort of does it. It kind of swings the pendulum, if you like, because, you know, we obviously had <clears throat> the winter break moved and there was a whole controversy around that. People were boring, people weren't happy. And then we came out of the winter break and obviously Rangers dropped points to, to Ross County. I remember that. That was the same day we beat Dundee United with the last minute winner. And I think that was a week or two before, maybe. And that day alone, I was like, the pendulum is starting to swing. And then it was like, we just, it fully swung that day. It was like a gradual sort of, it was moving, it was ever closer, and then bang, that 3-0, that, that done it all, I think, that day. Yeah, big time. So we have a derby coming up this week again, yes. weekend again. If Celtic win, they go nine points clear. Not quite math- mathematically uh, enough to get over the line completely, but with the goal difference of almost like 20 goals at this point, uh, it all but sees the the deal for Celtic. The last derby game left a bit of a sour taste, I think. I don't know. It was just disappointment all around by the nature of the, the performance, the the lack of bite in the, in the Celtic team, and almost probably the lack of a plan B, which has been always... it's It's been the thing that's been thrown at Celtic all year. I don't necessarily think it's been the same you know it was when in, in early in early stages of the season where Celtic couldn't break down a low block I think it was just that Rangers actually genuinely to give them enough credit did what they needed to do to stop Celtic playing through the midfield and that was enough to stop them yeah I think the thing that made it more disappointing and more sort of annoying for fans like because I agree with you and what you're saying but I think the thing that, that mostly played in the mind of Celtic fans was the fact that Rangers played an extra time, what, three, four days prior. And I think that was more annoying yeah. knowing that they looked the kind of fresher side going into extra time when that shouldn't have been the case. But look, I, I think that the manager put it perfectly. And, you know, I, I've seen a couple of people online getting really touchy about just like lapping up everything the manager's saying but I think he's spot on you know we lost one game in extra time these things happened it was a cup semi-final and we only lost by a goal you know I mean it wasn't like they battled us and he's right I mean it was disappointing and I think that there was you know periods of the game we, we should have been better we should have been probably more reactive to the situation but it happens um, and, and, and do you know what hopefully it gives us the motivation to go into Sunday and um, get a big result you can't win every trophy sadly and have became so spoiled but with trebles over the past sort of five years that um it seems like it's so natural to do but we went we tried and and, and maybe yeah it was disappointing today but in the grand scheme of things i couldn't ask for a better place to be in right now yeah but like i mean it was just it it was the fact that celtic looked like the team that were playing in europe mm-hmm. the a couple of days before it was just it just was t- a tired performance it looked like they had been dogged in training or something uh mm-hmm. in the build-up to the game but this week, I mean, it's a completely different pro- prospect. It's not a semi-final. It's at Parkhead. 
it's a, a game where Celtic know that if they win, that's essentially it. And we've seen with this Celtic team that, except for the semi-final, obviously, that when they need to go and prove that they are good enough and that they have earned their place at the top of this table, they have actually gone out and done it. Because, I mean, going back to the, the Ross County game a couple of weeks ago where they just completely blew Ross County out of the water, there was talk that maybe this Celtic team might be starting to stammer at this point in the season. Now, again, um, last week when there was talk about Celtic coming under pressure for the last final game and how maybe Ange's team's fall apart in the last five games of the season. They they were exceptional last week again. So I'm expecting Celtic to come out and put on a show, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, once again, as I said at the end of the, the last beat, but I said, I think that that last game can be used as real motivation for that. And, you know, the occasion's there, and I think that'll be drilled into the, the, the team. You know, this is a chance to basically win the title against your opponents. I know it's not mathematically possible, but you're looking at a situation which is pretty much that. You know, we can go and win a league title against our arch rivals. I remember it's like 2017 or 2018 we done that. We beat them 5-0. I think it was 2018. We beat them 5-0 at Celtic Park and the atmosphere was just fantastic. It was brilliant. And that day we went out and obviously it was a very different Rangers side. It was a much weaker Rangers side than what they have now. But we just blew them out the wall. Five goals, four goals in like the first half. We still won about 10-0 that day. The last time we played at Celtic Park in February, you know, we could have had more goals that day as well. So I think you're right. I think that we go out there on Sunday and I think it's just a case of playing our game, doing what we've done best all season and, and getting the best out of Ange ball, scoring as many as we like and, and just being cautious while we do so. Mm. It's been the debate over the last couple of weeks. Roger got the nod in the last derby. A lot of people calling for Matt O'Reilly in this one. Who? What camp are you in at this point for, for this debate for this weekend specifically? It's so difficult because I think both of them are brilliant players. And then in the last derby, Rogic was brilliant. They got that goal, of course, at Ibrooks. Um, oh, sorry, the, no, the, the last league derby, I should say. Um, it was brilliant. They got that goal. And maybe in the last derby after, in the cup, it wasn't as good. And that's why people are wanting O'Reilly in now. If, if, if you know me well enough, I'm a big Rogic fan. And I always kind of stick to Rogic first. But I, I honestly... I don't feel like I'm in one or the other's camp. I, I, I'm I fine with any of the two playing. I think both of them are really good footballers. And I think both of them offer really good qualities and, and very similar qualities. So I think that whoever does play, it it, it just comes down to how they, they play in the day. I really do think that. I, I think that, you know, there's, there's not going to be much that over the course of a season that separates them to determine who goes in here. Um, I really like both. I'll be fine with any. I think if I'm maybe leaning towards one for this game, it maybe is O'Reilly. But mm. once again, I, I don't, I'm not too fast. I really, I'm really not. Yeah, O'Reilly has a little bit more versatility. I think if if Rangers start to put pressure on the midfield like they did in the last derby, you know, Matt O'Reilly might be able to drop a little bit deeper to get the ball and maybe control a little bit better in that, in that aspect. In terms of up front, I, I think this is going to be a completely different performance because you've got Kyogo mm-hmm. there. You've probably got Giacomacchus there as well. And then Maeda can go out in the wing again. Jota can go out in the wing again. Abada can come in if, if you're going to start Abada. Like you've got a lot more options there. Interestingly, on Seltzer here, on their Instagram, they did a poll with a couple of thousand votes. And their fans voted for Giacomacchus over Kyogo this weekend. So what do, what do you reckon up front? I think to start the game, 
it's difficult because I, th- I think it'll be interesting to hear the manager's comments on, on Friday, I'd imagine he'll speak and, and we'll get to hear what he's saying in terms of fitness and who's ready to go and how many minutes players are going to have. It's crazy though, isn't it? That poll, like you say that three months ago, never in a million years would that yeah. be the case. You know, Kyogo would have had 90 plus percent of the votes, I'd imagine. Um, once again, just like I said earlier, a testament to how good Giacomacus has been. Um, for me, if I was to pick, if, if both of them were fully fit, and minutes didn't really matter, I would be starting Giacomacus for two reasons. Number one, I just feel like he's been really, really handy in the last two, or the last derby, the last two derby games he played, when he played at Ibrooks and he played at Celtic Park back in February, I thought he was fantastic, and I thought that his presence really gave them something to think about. Um, whereas Kyogo maybe hasn't been able to do the same thing in the two derby games that he's played in so far. But the other reason is because I think Kyogo could be a weapon from the bench. I think he could be really useful for when legs are tiring, we then bring on that pace, maybe the pace that you've lost and, and Giacomacus come later on in the game. So if they were both fully fit, I'd be in the Giacomacus camp for this one. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think he just adds more, sort of like the Matt O'Reilly thing. I just think he has a little bit more physicality to him mm-hmm. and can come short, can hold up the ball a little bit more, whereas Kyogo is very much getting behind. Um, so, it, it, I mean, yeah, the, the fact that Giacomacus was voted for that, it, Mad, it? If it's crazy it's crazy it just shows you how well he's uh, sort of accustomed himself with the Celtic fans yeah and it's, as well you know the, the margins are fine between them you know I think choosing one or the other doesn't necessarily mean that you don't rate the other one or you don't think the other one should play I once again like O'Reilly and Rogic will, will take any of the two up front on Sunday I wouldn't complain either way but um, I think that Giacomacus is just a little bit I don't know, I don't want to use the phrase tailor-made, but I think that he is pretty suitable for these games. I think that he's he's rose to the occasion so far. And, you know, when you've got defenders who are constantly trying to get close to you and they're trying to maybe get a kick out of you or whatever, I think Giacomacus is just more handy for that. Um, so maybe he is tailor-made for the games. I don't know. But once yeah. again, I think the margins are so, so fine. I, I don't think that there's a, a significant uh, need for one of the two to start over the other. Yeah, th- this might be a little bit of an insult to him, but he reminds me a little bit of uh, Georgia Samaras in this, in the sense of every time you played Samaras in a normal game, you'd look at him and you'd be like, why, why is he, why is he here? And then you play him in a derby match and uh, he just come alive. He just absolutely yeah. tear them apart. And I know it's a completely different Rangers team and all that there, but I mean, I just think he just does add that little bit of doubt in the Rangers defenders that uh-huh. this guy could actually bury me if he wanted to. Yeah, they don't really know what's coming, do they? Uh, don't get me wrong, Samaras is one of my favourite Celtic players of all time. I absolutely adore George Samaras. So from, from one to another, um, it's fantastic that they've got someone who can maybe cause the same sort of problems. Um, but you're right, I, I agree with you in that. I've never really considered that before, so that's, that's quite a keen observation there, and I like that. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> so what else did I have to ask you there? I had it in my head. No, the uh, squad depth. So, like, I mean, I think you me- you mentioned it there the Celtic fan base is obviously quite hostile online at the best of times when it comes to mm-hmm. uh, YouTubers and anybody who gives their opinion on anything. Um, but the squad depth is a good point because Celtic have so much to to still go, to still continue this rebuild, to still improve. But you still also have these players where you've got positions where you've got like two to three starters that could yeah. go, you know, just drop into the team at any point in time. So in going forward now into the summer, I know there's a couple of names already being linked with Celtic now on, on Twitter and the likes, but where do you think Celtic need to improve on uh, the most? 
Um, well, you know, if we lose the likes of Jota and Carter Vickers, if they weren't to sign permanently, I think that's the priority straight away, isn't it? You've got to look for players to come in and kind of fill those gaps if, if they return back to their parent clubs or, or whatnot. Um, I, I still think there's maybe some work to do defensively. I think that's the area for me right now that I would like to see more depth in. Um, I think Taylor has been fantastic over the past few weeks. He's really, really rose to a different level, um, which is handy because we've needed that and he's been so big in, in so many occasions. But we need more depth there anyway. And, you know, you look at Bollingoli, his Celtic career is all but over. Um, scales, I don't even know what's happening with, if he's going to be in or out the team. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, you just look at that whole left side, it's very thin beyond Greg Taylor, I think. And then on the right-hand side as well, Ralston has been brilliant. He's been absolutely tre- tremendous um, this season when we've needed him, especially that opening half of the season. It was brilliant. But I still feel like we need more in the fullbacks department. I still feel like we need more in the centre-halves department. Um, because for me, you know, you look at the likes of the subs that come on, you look at Welsh and you look at, you know, maybe Scales. I feel like we need better. I don't know. And, and you look at Julian, I, I don't know where his Celtic career. I don't imagine he's got long left as a Celtic player either. So I think defensively that is the area that needs kind of addressed the most. And if you can build and you can get better than what you've already got, then go for it. You know, Juranovic, mm. Starfelt, Vickers and Taylor have been fantastic. But even if you can do better than that, go for it. You know what I mean? Um, we, we, we've got so much depth and numbers moving forward. I would like to see the same uh, at the back. Yeah, that's a th- that's a thing. Like, I mean, nobody is saying that Greg Taylor is not a nice guy. And I think Greg Taylor has gone up in a lot of people's, you know, estimations this season, including mine. But just because he's a nice guy and just because he has improved this year doesn't mean that he should be Celtic's starting left back for the next couple yeah. of seasons. If there's better out there, you have to go for that better. You have to try to keep improving regardless of how nice, nice, nice your guys are in these positions. Yeah, that's one thing, you know, I, I think we spoke about it in the last podcast we did, um, me and Kieran and Ryan, we spoke about, you know, Celtic fans in, in general, and this is not a dig at Celtic fans, but we're all guilty of it, I think every single one of us are, we can be so reactionary, so when it comes to Taylor having a few good games, there's suddenly a section of the supporter like, oh yes, that's the answer that's solved, the problem is over, like, it's not quite as simple as that, mm-hmm. and I think that that's been, especially in recent times, I can remember so many times where players have came into like a little run of form, you look at last season, prime example, Rogic came back into the team. Um, I remember and he scored at Hamden, was it? He scored against Aberdeen, the semi-final of the Cup in the empty stadiums. And people were like, oh, Rogic is back. This is it. He's got to save the season. And I think every game from that moment on, he, he was rotten. Um, and that happened so many times last season. Someone would come at Sorrow. He was the answer. He was he was the best player on earth. Was he? Nah, don't think so. And that's, I think, the, maybe, I don't want to say that's the case with Greg Taylor. I have much more faith that Greg Taylor can continue on what he's doing right now. But, yeah, I agree with you, absolutely. You you look to improve all the time. And whether or not that's replacing your best players or, you know, if you if you have an option, you take the option, I think. Yeah. And Rol- Ralston, I really hope he k- kicks this on next season, mm-hmm. uh, what he's done this year, because it's been amazing to see him, him do what he's done. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't get hit by, you know, just second season syndrome and just be a yeah. one hit wonder. Like, I mean, he is a good option to have. But yeah, I agree with you. The centre back positions are very low in depth when you look yeah. at the quality that's coming in there. That's a Welsh. And... So our backups to Carter Vickers and Starfield was, was it Welsh, Julian, and. Who else is there? If I forgot somebody, I feel like there's somebody obvious that's on my mind that I forgot in terms of... Mm, is that it? Is that James? So. 
I think that's it. Well, I mean, skills can play mm-hmm. yeah. at centre-back as well if needed. But in terms of people who have played there, that's that's really it, you know. Yeah, that's it. That's really <laughs> that's all we've got. That's really thin, isn't it? Like, you're like, yeah. imagine Starfield dropped down with an ACL tear or something. God, touch with that doesn't happen. But, I mean, imagine that happened just suddenly. Yeah. I suppose Beaton could go in there as well if you needed Yeah. Yeah, but I think I'm hoping that those days are over of Beaton having to fill in a centre half. And, and one of the ways you make sure those days are behind you is by signing a centre half. So hopefully we maybe see it one or two come in in the summer. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, so just before we finish up, then I, I'm going to ask this of every guest. You you might be the first to actually do it, but oh. um, if Celtic win the league, which they more or less can this weekend, what's your celebratory drink? Oh, my celebratory drink. Oh, wow. See, I, I don't want to be boring and just be like, ah, a pint of beer, you know? <laughs> it's a bit boring. Um, do you know what? I'm going to just go with the, 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 the classic in the East End of Glasgow. I've got to go for the, the Buckfast, the tonic wine. It's, it's got to be that. I love the stuff. So um, that'll probably be a bottle of that will be poured. Um, I've poured down my neck, not into a glass, just right down my neck in celebration. So that, that'll, be, that'll be waiting on the ice. Will you have it in the stadium? Not to give it away. Not to give you away. Not to give you away. Not not to criminalise myself. I, no, no buck fast. Anyway, it's too big. You'd have to go for like one of these. You know, like the wee, there's these wee ones, Magnum. They're like this size. They look like a cough bottle. They're, they're easy to get in, but I mean, the buck fast is too big. <laughs> Ryan Fitzsimmons, uh, the Celtic, the Thunder, and your own YouTube channel, Ryan One 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 Eight. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.